he loves some Brian Perlman. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. My name is CJ Schrader. Welcome to Judge, Smyrna, Georgia. With me as always, my two glorious co-hosts. First off, Jess Dunks. Hey everybody, this is Jess. Also, Brian Perlman. Glorious. 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 Hello, yeah. interweb people. This will be part two of our layers episode. We're going to go over the advanced layers stuff. So let's uh, begin by jumping right into our news items. The only major real news item is uh, we have a new level three, Abe Cordson. He's Catsby on IRC. Congratulations, Abe. Yay. Congratulations, Abe. I think also, uh, there's uh, there's a new policy that's going to be taking effect. Uh, uh, did you guys see yeah, that? Totally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Toby had an article, if you haven't seen this yet, you should check it out on the mothership, uh, that was all about the new appeals process because there's been a rise in frivolous appeals, according to his article. There really and, has uh, been. If you, if, you listen, <laughs> if you listen to him talk at, at GPs and stuff like that, they're like, we had so many, so many extra appeals and they've added those red shirt, the, the appeal judges. I mean, they, this is a that, that's really because of the mistriggers policy. Nobody knows what's going on, and unfortunately, nobody has confidence that the judges know what's going on. So they appeal all the time. Like I, I've been appealed a lot for mistriggers at large events. But anyway, so the new the new uh, the new policy is supposed to take from uh, from football. Toby goes through all of the similarities between Magic and football, and then he explains that we're going to have challenge flags where your players can throw flags down to to appeal a ruling, and they only get two. Well, they get a third if the first two are upheld. Or all right. good challenges. I don't uh, know what that means. I don't I don't know this. And point. players are welcome to bring their own as long as they're not inappropriate yes. flags. Right. And uh, and so. one of the other interesting aspects of this was the head judge gives basically his ruling, but he's he does not know what the floor judge's ruling is. So basically when the flag gets thrown, as it were, you know, it's it's basically just like another investigation. All right. So before we go any further, <laughs> I think CJ's going to bring us back. There's going to be people here. who listen and they're like, I only listened to the first episode of JudgeCast and they said there's this new policy. Uh, it was all an April Fool's joke. It's not, uh-huh. None of that is really happening. The, well, the eight so, course in making L3. Oh, that, that happened. happened. Yes. That happened. No, it That's didn't happen. It got Fool's you guys. Joke. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Tricked you all. Wait, that wasn't an April Fool's joke? Oh. I, I, that, that was harsh. I, I actually don't even know him, so that's not really nice. So, but, uh, but as far as the, the flag thing goes, that's totally an April Fool's joke. Uh, the only part of that that was not was the rise in appeals, which is actually a thing that's happening. But other than that, there, there are no challenge flags. If you hear about this from some player, it was a joke. Tell them it's a joke. Uh, it's it's never going to happen. Uh, but I would put money down that one of us will hear yes. in the next two months some player asking about how challenge flags work. Yeah, uh, I I might even take one to the the, the Dragon Maze pre-release and just throw one. Yeah. Just challenge. Yeah. Either that, or I'll pull the Dark Crystal trial by stone. <laughs> um, see, see, what I love is that there's actually no rule that says I can't use a challenge flag. So I think I might start when I go play in large events. Just every time I have a judge call, just like throw this yellow flag uh, up in the air. There's a rule about judge. throwing things across the room, actually. <laughs> across the room, yes. But like if I throw it straight up in the air and then it lands on my table and doesn't disrupt anything, like there's no rule no. against that. Well, I mean... Yeah, they, they don't let you. They don't let you use chaos. Yeah, or, they don't let you use chaos or because it's not legal in the format. But it's not legal because it's not legal because you have to throw yeah. it around. I mean, I did see someone. I did see somebody get a. Uh, 
what is it, an unsporting conduct penalty for actually throwing lands at someone with using Borbergos' ability. <laughs> Borbergos' rage to lets you, lets you discard lands to zone people yeah. for three, and he was physically throwing the, his lands at the guy because he thought it was funny. And, ended the up with and if the Magic Judge's Twitter account also announced that card flicking was going to be a USC minor. I'm not opposed. Now, I'm not oh, opposed. People are so screwed. <laughs> I'd be so happy to see that if that was a real thing. It's not a real thing. Wishful thinking on my part. All right, Brian, you what? were at a Star City event uh, during Easter. Yes, yes, it was. So it was Easter Sunday, and we did. So one of the things I did, we we were talking some of the the Florida guys because it was here in Orlando. We were talking uh, as we as we were prone to do, and we tend to take a stupid idea and run with it and run it into the ground. So on Sunday, we show up with plastic eggs, candy, an Easter basket. We get bunny ears, about uh, six total pairs of bunny ears. So we hide some Easter eggs with candy in them in the table tents. We deliver for feature matches. We get Jeff Foster. I don't know if if this came across on coverage with the Easter basket, with with the feature matches, the match slips. In the eggs with a piece of candy in the basket, him with bunny ears, just skipping on over to the feature match area and delivering the eggs to people. Uh, The head judge, Justin Turner, made egg puns, Easter puns the whole day. Every one of his announcements, you know, even when the the crowd was just groaning because the puns were so bad. Did any players find that unacceptable? Some of them did find it unacceptable, (laughs) but for the most part, they loved they loved them. No, they probably egged him on (laughs) quite a bit. They did. Yes. So it was uh, the bunny ears. The head judge had a pair of blue ones. The team leads had pink ones. Uh, Brad Nelson wore one on coverage. It was it was a good time by all. So just just an example of something fun to do. You know, we judge because we like to have fun. And this was just something that we were talking about and decided to go oh yeah and the deck checks they got an egg with like two pieces of candy in it or a piece of candy <clears throat> like we're taking your decks but here's a little something for you to do while you wait and it, it was and actually we we discussed what if what if we actually you know like some of those little peg games or something like that what if when we swooped in and took your decks we left like a little puzzle or something for you to play with for the five or six yeah. minutes while you well, if anyone was mad, I hope they weren't too rabbit. Eh? Oh yeah. boy! So speaking of speaking of driving things into the ground uh, <laughs> and going too far with things, today we're doing that again. Uh, we are kind of doing a second part to our previous episode, which was layers. Uh, this is going to be a little more focused and talking about some some specific interactions and also dependencies. So hopefully we can get through this without. Too many StarCraft jokes, which was apparently an issue from our last episode. Starcraft no, I, I choose to ignore those emails. <laughs> um, it was brilliant. It was great. It was funny. Yes. I don't know <laughs> if I'd use any of those words to describe it. I, you know, I don't often say that listeners are wrong, <laughs> but in this particular case, you are all Every wrong. one of them? Even the ones that liked well, it? Well, they didn't write in. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All one of them. Or one of them who liked it. I was actually uh, uh, also known as, as Brian Brillman on a different email account, uh, telling us he liked it. That's yes. that was our one like. Um, That's one like. So what do we have left to talk about? We kind of covered a lot in layers. Yeah. So before. I guess a brief recap. Re- 
recap. We need to recrap out these layers. CJ is going to crap the layers out again. Freudian slip. Uh, so the layers are the system of, of how we apply continuous effects, how we determine what order they'll apply in. Uh, I think the example we used a lot last time was, say, you have um, Tarmogoyf out and you diminish him, right? Do you diminish makes target creature a 1-1 until the turn? Do you Does he get bigger if another instant or sorcery enters the graveyard? You know, how does that all interact? And of course, um, the layer system tells us that that he will always be a 1-1, no matter what changes there until end of turn. And I would like to point out for anybody, and I mentioned meant to bring this up last time and I didn't, for anybody that wants to read the comprehensive rules about layers, what you should absolutely not do is read, is, read them. Is search, I, I read them, I like them. Um, I, if absolutely not do is search for layers with a like in like don't do a word search for a layer to find right. it because there are about 50 million instances of the word Players <laughs> and layers won't get you there. So you should definitely search for interaction of continuous effects or just continuous effects. Oh, I thought the layers went all the way up to P. So it was just always referring to P layer. Uh, uh, uh. So the layers. You know what is interesting? <laughs> now that you bring that up, any, any section of the rules that that ends up going to letters, like lowercase letters, like in what? state based actions, for yeah, example, O and, o and I, right? I think it's O and I. I always get scared. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was quizzing people in Georgia on, on the state-based actions, and I was like, come on, guys. There's two more. You guys aren't getting them here. Because <laughs> well, I, I did it by the letters, right? And then eventually I just sat there and counted. I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> what a troll, CJ. <laughs> come on, guys. There's two come more. On. I don't know what they are, but there's two more. <laughs> well, get with the program. when I went through all their answers. I was like, wait, they've said them all. So what, <laughs> what's going on? I don't know. All of them, like even the two-headed giant version eventually those, like... it was it was a facebook group thing it took a while uh, okay. you know there was some prodding all right and some probably some so the layers real quick copy control text type color abilities and power and toughness we apply things in that order if you really want to know more about it please listen to the previous episode because we don't need to go over them too uh too much this time what was your mnemonic device jess something about cops and crooks and and texting uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you forget i don't actually remember because that's not the one i used when it i like, memorized it, it like, i had it written down in front of me in the last cops episode in texas. cops and cons in texas type colorful alibis with power yeah <laughs> i like whatever one i was making up a little bit better cops text while driving and you know power but I personally i prefer that the cool cats take the catnip and purr is probably uh probably my favorite so let's talk about some advanced layers stuff and uh sure we're gonna get into the big scary dependencies but we'll do those in a little bit first we want to talk about just advanced layers topics uh basically the only way to talk about these is with examples right and just and yes. just seeing how those examples work out brian you you have one you want to talk all about. right it seems it seems to come up before before we start getting into into non-intuitive stuff. There always seems to be players that come up and they want to talk about uh, opalescence and humility. Yes, you know what? Actually, let me tell a story about that because when I was first becoming a judge, that was the big like boogeyman when I first started playing. Like I don't know why people would talk about that, and it was like when you're a kid and you're like, "Well, what's a thousand times a thousand? And and you're like, uh, "I don't know." This this know. this it's seems really... like the hardest math question ever. And then you ask some kid like a few years older, and he's like, "Oh, that's easy." That's how I feel about opalescence and humility now. Um, but when I was learning to be a judge, I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to ever understand this layer system until I can figure out how that interaction works. So I actually just sat down and, you know, and asked people questions and did everything until I could figure out opalescence and humility. And once I got that and all my questions about that answered, I think everything else kind of fell in place. Because there actually is a rule that 
that this interaction uses that really answers like the only question. Um, so let's so let's go through it. So humility is an enchantment uh, for two white white that says, uh, and I'm going to be reading off the cards since I don't have the oracle text in front of me. Each creature loses all abilities and is a one one creature. Probably get uh, the oracle text up for opalescence because it talks about global enchantments. Wait, do you have a humility sitting in front of you? Uh, I have. It's. I just pulled it out of my layers deck. Oh, that's funny. Well, I, I don't know why. I, like, why didn't? Wouldn't it have been faster just to look it up? Anyways, opalescence. Each other no. non aura enchantment is a creature with power and toughness each equal to its converted mana cost. It's still an enchantment. Yes. Okay. And it is also two white white. Yes. So. Let's say I have both of these cards in play, and the humility's been in play first, okay? Just just in case that comes up, we'll go ahead and establish the order in which the cards were played. Okay, so we have a humility, we have an opalescence. So let's, let's run through, is there any effects, let's run through the layers really quick. Is there anything that affects uh, copy, any copy effects? Just these two cards are on the battlefield. What what happens? Is there is there anything anything that does any copy? No. No. Uh, anything that changes control? No. Okay. Anything that changes text? No. Okay. Because no. Uh, losing losing all abilities is not considered yeah, text exactly. changing. Text changing cha- text changing effects actually generally say the word change the text on them. Okay. So anything uh, that changes type? Uh, yes. yes. Oh. Okay. So what is what are we talking about that is changing type? So opalescence in this situation will change the type to um, yes to a creature. It is it is saying each non aura enchantment, which humility happens to be, or each other non aura enchantment, so it doesn't affect itself with this, is a creature with its power and toughness each equal to its converted mana cost. So it is changing it into a creature. That is the type. Okay. So it is now a creature. Humility is now a creature. So so we've done copy, control, text, type, color, anything that affects color. No. And we should mention it's a creature now, but its power and toughness have not yet been set because we're right. not in that layer. Oh, then when it's dead. <laughs> well, oh, it dies then because it's zero, zero, right? Check state-based actions during the lives. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, we discussed that in the last episode. Yes. Okay. Yeah, with the program, right? <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. So we've done copy, control, text, type, color. Now we get to abilities. All right. So each each creature for humility, it says each creature loses all abilities. So it's an ability that's causing it to lose its own ability. So we go into like an infinite loop, right? No. Or, or something. Apply each layer once. No. OK, we apply each layer once. So we actually that ability is now gone. That says each creature loses all abilities and is a one one creature that is essentially blanked out mm-hmm. from the creature. Mm-hmm. OK, now you got to be careful there, though. Because there's yes, a rule. Yes, there is. And we'll get to that rule in just a moment. Sure. Dun, dun. Okay, so we've done copy, control, text, type, color, abilities. Now we get into the power and toughness. Are there any characteristic defining abilities? No. No. Is there anything that sets the creature's power and yes. toughness? Two things. Yes. Two things. Wait, what are those two Both things? Lessons and humility. Oh, but wait, didn't we get rid of humility's ability uh, that makes uh, it a 1 1 creature? Didn't we get True, rid of that ability? But. But Once you start to apply an ability, it applies in all subsequent layers, even if that ability is removed. Yes. So now, okay, sorry. If yes, you no. don't think that rule is fun, <laughs> then I'll tell you what. More Call Wizards customer. of the Coast customer support and ask them because they have a rules question line for magic. Ask them what happens if you make Titania's song an artifact with Memnarch and then sit on hold for half an hour and let them come back every every 10 or 15 minutes with the wrong answer. It's <laughs> Sounds like something you've done. It may be something I've done. <laughs> I, 
I just rem- vaguely know, remember what Titania Song does. Oh, I'm not even looking at the cards. I don't. So Titania Song says each non-artifact, or sorry, each non-creature artifact uh, is an artifact creature uh, with power or loses all abilities and is an artifact creature with power and toughness equal to its converted ma- mana cost. Okay, so you if turn it. If Titania Song leaves the battlefield, this effect does not end until end of turn. Okay, so if you turn if you turn Titania Song into an artifact, then it becomes an artifact creature and loses the ability that caused it to lose its ability and become a creature. Yes. Or something. Yes. Wonderful. It's awesome. You need to get out more. So actually, funny story about that. Uh, I came up with this question before I became a judge, and I actually didn't know the answer, which is why I called the Wizards of the Coast customer support line. And I, by the time I was done with them, I had so little confidence in their <laughs> answer that I knew it can't, couldn't possibly be right. And, and as it turns out, it wasn't. I became uh, so. judge just to troll Wizards of the Coast customer service hotline. Not quite. No, no, that's not exactly what happened. But uh, that question actually led me down a path that ended up with me becoming a judge. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of dumb history there. But, back to the yeah, power and toughness. Anyway, so, so, so back back to the power and toughness. So we have setting. We have two effects that are trying to set then the power and toughness of my humility creature. We have humility's own ability trying to make it a one-one, and we have opalescence ability trying to make its power and toughness equal to the humility's uh, uh, converted mana cost. So when we have two abilities or, or, or yeah, two abilities that are in the same layer, how do we determine which one, how to apply them? Timestamps. Timestamps. And way back in the beginning, I said humility came into play first. So we apply that one first. Humility is a 1-1. One, one. Opalescence came in second. We apply that one next, making it a 4-4. Four, four. And then we run through the next layers. Do we have anything that modifies power and toughness? Any giant growth type effects? No. Any counters? No. Any power and toughness switching things? No. So our humility is a 4-4 four, four creature with no abilities, and that's it. And you go, well, what if I switch and make say that Opalescence came in first and Humility came in second? Well, you just run through all the same layers, and everything's the same, except you get to the power and toughness setting layer, in which case you apply things in timestamp order. And this time, Opalescence is uh, uh, came into play first, so it applies first, setting Humility to be a 4-4, and then Humility comes around and says, nope, I'm a 1-1. Yeah. And Humility ends up being a 1-1. So the big bad boogeyman really just ends up being a crumpled up shirt on your chair and when the lights turn on. <laughs> I don't know or, about that or, last part, but the or, rest of what you yeah. said is correct. And so um, and so the next the next level boogeyman, the the sequel to the boogeyman is the double opalescence and humility. Right. And I think it's a little bit that's called the the opalescence. It's a little complex to, to say, but it's all basically like if you just run through it the same way. Right. Like you have opalescence out, then you play humility, then you play opalescence. It doesn't matter that both opalescences are losing the ability that makes the humility a creature and makes each other creatures. It doesn't matter because they've already started to apply. Once the, once, yeah, once an ability starts to apply, because and this is all one ability because it's really all one one word or one mm-hmm. paragraph. Yeah, it's all really. one big ability. It's all it's all it's all one big paragraph. Once you start, you can't stop. It's like eating a bag of chips, you know, or eating out. You just can't stop. Once you pop, you can't stop. Okay. If it gets, if the whole thing gets removed before you start, then okay, sure, you whiff, yeah. you whiff. But if if you start doing it in part, you're gonna let me, finish. Let me, give, 
an example of that one, actually. The inverse example is uh, I have the crows and beast out, which at threshold gets plus seven, plus seven. If we have humility out, you know, that beast is never going to get plus seven, plus seven because it lost the ability before any part of it started to apply. All right. Yay, time stamps. Uh, Yay, I hope we time. haven't lost anybody yet with all the different cards we're throwing around. But, uh... Ooh, time stamps. <laughs> So, all right. Oh, and get uh, ready anyway. to hear the words humility over and over again this episode. I hope not. Oh, well, I mean, man, we could use not. humble and oh. stuff, but what's the point? <laughs> Mixing it. I suppose. Everybody yeah, loves humility. humility. No, actually, I hate humility. But more than humility, I actually hate uh, Sylvan Library. Yeah, too. Um, but I've mentioned yeah, that yeah. on the show before. So actually, what I wanted to bring up next uh, was a question that we got on our okay. Facebook page. Uh, okay. Somebody, uh, Andrew John Quigley on Facebook asked, uh, isn't control and copy layers positions counterintuitive? Why not swap them? And I've heard something similar before, or at least I've heard asked, why are, are copy and control in that particular order? Uh, do you guys have any idea why that might be? I'm trying to think about why it would matter. Uh, I have one interaction I can pick up where it matters. Okay, so Volrath Shapeshifter. So if you're trying to copy mind control with copy mm-hmm. enchantment, it matters because if you apply the the layers in the other order, you get a, a, an interaction where copy enchantment is enchanting a creature, but it, doing you don't it. have control of it. Okay. <laughs> well, it's good. It's a good thing they thought uh, of that one then. Right. That's that's the whole reason they're in that order. And so that kind of interaction works. Like if you were to copy control magic or mind control or any of those, if those layers were in a different order, it would not give you the intuitive result. So there you go. Andrew, I hope that answers your question. Well, wouldn't give you the intuitive result. Well, what about things that don't give you an intuitive result? There are a lot of those magic. Like? Go ahead. I'm sure you're going to give me a good one. Well, I'm going to give you one of the ones that's next on our little syllabus thing here. And then one of you guys can discuss it since I did the humility opalescence one. What about humility and magus of the moon? I don't know. <laughs> All so, right. So if I got a if I got a land or something that's not a basic land, let's what's one of those really bad lands from should, homelands? Singer Castle. Magus of the Moon is just Blood Moon on a dude. Yeah, on a dude, which I guess is relevant for the whole question. Yes, it's he's a he's a bear, I think. Maybe he's so one. one. We're, we're going to be repeating ourselves a lot this episode, but if you just step through the layers piece by piece and don't go back, it all just works out, right? So if we talk about Magus of the Moon, which all he says is non-basic lands or mountains, uh, copy layer, nothing applies. Control, nothing applies. Text, nothing applies. Type. All right. And type layer, he's going to make all the non-basic lands mountains. That's going to go ahead and apply, right? That's going to make my Singer yes. Castle a mountain. Singer Castle is now a mountain. Colors, nothing. Abilities. Well, I mean, mount- mountains are no. red, right? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> abilities. Humility is going to come along and remove the ability that says non-basic lands or mountains. However, it is already applied. It's done. There's no going back. Uh, And then all the other layers. So he'll become a 1-1 also. So what we end up with is a 1-1 Magus of the Moon with no text. And yet still, every non-basic land is a mountain because the ability already applied. And Magus of the Moon, he's, he's... He's humble, but he's not that humble. He's still just screwed over your <laughs> mana vase, and he's smile. He's still smiling pretty big. Uh, and similarly, we can go ahead and talk about um, painter servant and humility, because it's just, it's basically the exact same interaction. Painter servant reads. It's slightly different. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, slightly. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, painter servant reads uh, as painter servant enters the battlefield, choose a color. All cards that aren't on the battlefield spells and permanents are the chosen color in addition to their other colors. 
So yeah, say I have um, humility out and I play painter servant naming blue, right? What is What color is humility? Humility is both white and blue at that point. Yes, I had to double check the in addition part. Um, even though humility, or even though humility takes the painter servant's mm -hmm. ability away, that ability is still affecting it. Like things that remove abilities make everything awkward. It's pretty common for it to be unintuitive because you go, but it doesn't have the ability right. anymore. Uh, but you can't go back through the layers. You have to go forward through the layers and always go forward through the layers. So that's you just got to remember that, as, as CJ said earlier, go forward in the layers, don't go back. Yeah. And colors is layer five. five. Yes, <laughs> I was getting there. So yep, basically yep. anything that applies before layer six, which is abilities, is still going to happen. So we got, got that. it. I got it. Go with my my big bad example, the one that oh used to drive me crazy. Is everyone ready for Wayward okay. Angel? Wayward All right, Angel. Wayward Angel. So so could you read? Yeah, yeah go ahead and read it. Wayward Angel. She so, has so, flying sorry, and vigilance, and she has threshold. So as long as seven or more cards are in your graveyard, Wayward Angel gets plus three plus three. Is black, has trample, and has at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice a creature. Oh, this isn't the Joss. This isn't uh, the one that looks like Angel from no, Buffy. No, you're Which that's repentant that? vampire. I think. Yeah, that's the other oh, one that usually comes up for this okay. question. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So she has flying and vigilance, and then all the everything else I read was part of one big ability. So once again, if you go through the layers piece by piece, it's like I have Wayward Angel out. <clears throat> uh, let's say I'm at Threshold already, and I did you describe Threshold? I well, don't remember if you did. For anybody that doesn't know, it didn't play in that time period. Threshold means you have yeah. seven cards in your graveyard. Or more. So, or more. I have her out. I'm at Threshold. I play Humility. What is she? Do you want me well, to go over this? Okay. Sure. Do. So yeah, baby. Do we have anything applying in copy, control, text, or type? No, we do not. In color, Wayward Angel comes along and makes her threshold ability makes her black. What did I say? We have Wayward Angel out and then we play Humility? You know what? Let's do it the other yes. way. It's more interesting that way. Let's have okay. Humility out and then we play Wayward Angel and we're already at threshold. Okay, so same thing. In the color layer, she becomes black. In the abilities layer, uh, we apply things in timestamp order. So first off, Humility removes all of her abilities. So it removes the ability that is um, her threshold ability and it specifically it removes Flying and Vigilance. She loses all of those. Then her threshold ability, since it already started to apply in the color layer continues to apply so she gains the abilities of trample and the uh, at the beginning of your creep sacrifice a creature ability okay this is where it gets weird okay and then uh we keep on going through power and toughness setting only humility applies making her a one one and then through power and toughness boosting she gets plus three plus three so she ends up being a four four black uh angel horror with she does she no longer has flying and vigilance but she does have trample and at the beginning of your keep sacrifice a creature all right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Whereas if you reversed, if you already had Wayward Angel out and then you played Humility, uh, you would change that up a little bit. She would be 3-3 three, three in black, but she would have no abilities at all because her threshold ability would have added the abilities and then Humility would have removed all of the abilities. So she'd just be a 4-4 four, four black Angel. Horror. And Angel Horror. I have one last yes. little twist on this one. Say oh, both out and then gaining threshold yeah, exactly. in the middle. <laughs> all right say that actually doesn't it change it at all, nothing at all it doesn't yep. change it at all it seems like it should because suddenly hey i got threshold these abilities should turn on all of a sudden well no the ability was always there this is another thing we discussed in our uh in last episode with the, the way timestamps work with yes. those abilities is is the timestamp is when the permanent entered play not when the ability became became true. Exactly. And that's exactly it. The ability is that whole well, line of text. The as long as seven or more cards in your graveyard, Wayward Angel gets plus three, plus three, blah, blah, blah. That whole line is the ability. 
and it applies in the layers even if it isn't doing anything. <laughs> All right. All right. So those are those are some complicated those are some complicated examples or some non-intuitive examples of layers. But as you can see, it's it's actually not that bad. You just start off with your little list and you just work your way down. I mean, the only trick, the only trick there is, is um, the, the only thing we didn't mention last episode is that once you start to apply an ability, it just continues to apply. Yes, it's the Pringles. It's the Pringles rule. Once you pop, you can't stop. You can't stop. You cannot stop. I think it's once you pop, the fun don't no, stop. Well, layers <laughs> are fun. Whatever. And... Don't start with me. I'm going to start making Zerg references again. <laughs> hey, that was all Jess's fault anyway. I wasn't going to do it. And then he brought it up. I didn't hey, know such thing. Dependencies. <laughs> I, I was trying to come up with a good. Through the power of editing, it now becomes <laughs> Jess's fault. No, Jess brought up, you know what? Dependencies. <laughs> Let's talk about dependencies. And these seem to be Jess's special baby. Let's talk about dependencies. They're not my special baby. I just, I happen to like the fact that, you that love they them. exist. You want right? to marry like, them. Like, they're. I, I don't. No, I definitely Jess, don't. Yes, independency. Yes, yes, First came color, or first came copy, <laughs> then came control. I'm just gonna let you bury yourself on this one. Keep going. I really know because I can't go anywhere else with it. There's, I got nothing. Uh, so tell. yeah, it seems like like your joke is is dependent <laughs> on a very specific set of humor. There. <laughs> it depends on the number of people laughing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I guess I guess my joke is funny only if people are laughing. And since people aren't laughing, it's I not laugh. funny. Every listener is laughing. But let's talk about dependencies. OK. So what are what are dependencies? Um, so dependencies are this thing, you know, a lot like layers. It's, it's a thing people don't really understand and they don't want to delve too far into. Usually when somebody learns about the layers, they learn, oh, there's this thing called dependencies. But I'm not going to worry about that right now. Uh, I'm going to worry about just what the layers do and maybe learn dependencies later, but then people don't. Uh, what dependencies are is a way of keeping abilities from interacting in unintuitive ways inside of the same layer. Uh, sometimes when you have two abilities or more inside the same layer, applying them in timestamp order doesn't work. So if applying one ability, so, so let's say, for example, you have two different abilities. I'm going to give you the, the, the comprehensive rules thing, and then I'll give you some examples. Uh, so if you have two abilities that are affecting something, and one of the abilities would change what the other one affects, would change what it does to the things it affects, or would change its existence, like make it disappear or whatever, then it's said that the second ability is dependent on that ability. And these are all in the same layer. Right. So when so, we're talking so, about humility making abilities go away. That's not a dependency. Yeah. A, a dependency. So let's talk about some some simple dependencies. Sutured ghoul, for example, is a, actually a pretty intuitive example of dependencies, I think. So sutured ghoul, when it enters the battlefield, you exile. You can exile a creature. Um, I think you can exile any number of creatures. Yes. yes. Uh, any number of creatures uh, from your graveyard. And that its power is equal to the total power of the exiled cards. And its toughness is equal to their total toughness. So what happens if you exile a Tarmogoy with a Sutured Ghoul? At that point, you have this, this awkward thing where timestamp order could screw this up, right? Because it just became exiled for the Sutured Ghoul, so the, the timestamps mess it up. So you have this situation where Sutured Ghoul's power and toughness are dependent on Tarmogoy's power and toughness ability. You have two characteristic defining abilities, and one of them is dependent on the other one. 
Uh, I, I hear don't a lot of silence. I think I even knew that was a dependency. No, I'm well, doing something here. Yeah, I, that point. is the point. That's the point. Like, dependencies are supposed to be intuitive. Most of the time when you have a dependency, it's intuitive. Uh, so, so with that situation, if we actually applied it the other way around in timestamp order, you'd end up with a suture rule that wasn't counting Tarmogoyf. It was only counting Tarmogoyf as a one because it's zero, zero plus one. Right. Uh, and, I, and I was trying to remember because I think the, ori- the original hosts of JudgeCast or, or the, the, one of the iterations, there was actually an error in one of their episodes where they were talking about sutured ghoul and exiling a creatures with CDAs, I think. Well, it may have, that may have been before a rules change. There was a rules change nah. that was specifically made for sutured ghoul. Uh, that said that dependencies, it used to be that dependencies only involved things that were not characteristic defining abilities. And then because of Surgery Ghoul, they had to change it to being that they were things that were not from characteristic defining abilities or all of the abilities were from characteristic defining abilities, which is the one I just described, where you have two characteristic defining abilities and one of them is dependent on the other one. So this is an example where if you think about it, you can see where one ability is clearly dependent on the other one existing and, and being applied first, right? Yep. So... Like most of the time, it's a situation where it's intuitive. Like, I think we did we do any examples? I think we did one example of dependencies no, in the last show, not on purpose. I don't I think we, I we did. We uh, uh, no, no, we did not. I think okay. we stayed we, we stayed away from that. Okay, well, we might do that one a little bit later. Then that's kind of the yeah. Classic I just want to say example. one thing real quick because um, we said that uh, dependencies can only happen in the same layer, but it's also uh, sub layer, same layer or sub layer. Oh, yes, thank you. layers yeah. or sub layers. And I'm pretty sure that this whole searcher goal thing is probably the reason that characteristic defining abilities is a sub layer. <laughs> probably. So, so that that rule could apply to it. Um, but anyway, so you have anytime there's a, a layer or a sub layer where two things are applying and one of them would change what the other one does or change what the thing it applies to, uh, you ignore timestamps and you go in the order of, of which ones are dependent on what. So another example of this one that Brian brought up earlier, actually, is uh, before we got on the air, was uh, was it, it was Treetop Village and Xenograft? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Do you want to go through that one, or do you want me yeah, to hit sure, on it? Sure, sure. Uh, so Xeno, Xenograft uh, is an enchantment uh, from New Phyrexia. Uh, as Xenograft enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Uh, each creature you control is the chosen type in addition to its other types. So it's basically the the wink wink fixed conspiracy. Um, so if I name Noggle with um, with Xenograft or or, or Starfish, uh, so I name yeah. Starfish. Yes, wow. spiny starfish. spiny yep. starfish. Thank you, alliances. <laughs> Zero one starfish Somehow tokens. Kept, yeah, it kept the type through all these years. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, laughing about starfish now. Um, as Xenograft, so each creature you control is a starfish in addition to its other types. Sorry, but look at this guy. So, He's like throwing ninja starfish. <laughs> this guy is the coolest. Spiny starfish, <laughs> I love you. Oh. Okay, continue. And also, look at look at look at what's a giant oyster. Did it keep its creature type? Anyway, anyway, anyway. All right, you guys mentioned so, it, so I had to look it up. And yes, that is a giant starfish monster throwing yeah, ninja it's starfish. Awesome. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. That's spiny starfish for you guys. Yeah, and giant oyster is still an oyster. Yes. So what's this? What's the situation with? Uh, okay, so I have, I have a bunch of you know elf elf starfish and uh, human advisor starfish and whatever. And I got my treetop village, and I'm gonna animate my treetop village. And treetop village is a. Uh, uh, I think it's one in a green. Uh, the land go uh, becomes a three-three green ape 
creature uh, it's still land so what we have here is we actually have the so the question is when i animate my treetop village is it also a starfish because it says on the it says you know hey i'm a i'm a, a an ape creature and uh so that's got the later timestamp. And in this particular case, you look at Xenograft and the fact that you are animating your treetop village changes what Xenograft affects. So right now, Xenograft is just affecting my 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 elf, my my human advisor. And suddenly treetop village is going to become a dude, become an ape. Xenograft is going to see him now. So. So the fact that I'm activating Treetop Village and making it into a creature changes what Xenograph can see and changes what Xenograph wants to affect. Therefore, there is a dependency. So when, when I first okay. learned about this, uh, what, what helped me kind of understand it a little better was to describe it slightly differently. Okay. Is, is if you go to the actual type setting layer there, right? And you do it in timestamp order. So uh, Xenograph has the older timestamp. So we try to apply it. It does nothing because Treetop Village is not a creature yet. Then we apply Treetop Village. This is hypothetically if you did this. It, then you apply Treetop Village, it become a three three eight or it becomes an ape, a creature ape, right? Right. But but that line of thinking is going to get you in trouble when we talk did about before the show. But but the point is yes. here though is you can you can clearly see in that situation. So let's so let's not teach him wrong uh, then. It applies Aww. most of the time. You can clearly see there though. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to explain also why um, why you can't just use timestamps. I'm trying to point out the fact that it has to be a creature first. Which is easy to miss. Yeah, right. So in that particular case, it's, it's yeah. If you think about it logically, it's like, oh well, it has to be a creature for Xenograph to make it into a creature. So wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's yeah. a dependency. Okay, not 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 exactly as we'll see in a mm -hmm. in a bit, but um, but yeah. So the the big thing the the big thing is Xenograft is right now it's affecting all the creatures on the board. Uh, the animation ability of Treetop Village changes the number of creatures on the board. So therefore, uh, uh, Xenograft is dependent on Treetop Village and has to wait for Treetop Village to make itself a creature before Xenograft can step in and say, Starfish. Right, because Xenograft's, the, the number, what objects it applies to is changed by the ability you're creating there. So that's a pretty sweet dependency. Yeah, and and it's it's basically it's it's a very intuitive one that it's just like oh yeah my ape starfish get in yeah. there. You, you would you feel I like think... it should be an ape starfish. Right. So that, that's an example of the change <laughs> what it deals with object. It feels so like, like it not, should be an ape starfish. I know. After I said it, I was like, man, I bet nobody's ever said that sentence ever. <laughs> I feel like it should be an ape starfish. It just um, feels right. I don't know. I'm feeling good about this. Uh, <laughs> Might be a good time to I, I talk about um, Blood Moon and so, here. So that's, that's uh, actually that was going to be the third one I hit. Uh, so we've we've so far we've dealt with dependencies that that change what objects it deals with. I don't think we've done one that changes what it does yet. Exactly. I have a a, a good example for this. Yeah, if that's for all right. For so for if I control a scrib ranger. So a Scrib Ranger is a, it's a 1-1 one, one with flash and flying and some other abilities, but the important thing is here it has protected from blue. So if I control a Scrib Ranger uh, and then you cast Enslave on my Scrib Ranger, or, or yeah, Enslave is a good one, uh, which among other things says you control Enchanted Creature. So you control my Scrib Ranger. I want to get my Scrib Ranger back, but 
and I have two cards in my hand. I have a mind control and a confiscate. Or I just have a confiscate, which says you control enchant and a permanent. But I can't enchant Scrib Ranger with it because Scrib Ranger has protection from blue. But I can enchant your enslave. So if I enchant your enslave, then my confiscate has a later timestamp than your enslave. So if we went on timestamp order, even though I confiscated your enslave, you would still control my Scrib Ranger. So we ignore timestamp order, and we, we because confiscate changes what enslave does to the thing it's applying to. Yeah, and that that what it does dependency is kind of a slippery slope, right? Because what is what does does mean? You know, it's it's it changes what it how it affects any of the objects right. it applies to. And you know, that's that's not that slippery of a slope. You'll find that most things that that you think fit that category actually do. The the problem is that we tend to jump into this like, well, there's a dependency thing. When the truth is, most of the time, dependencies are very intuitive and straightforward. Like if you if I said I'm going to confiscate your enslave, I don't know any magic player that would go. Well, that shouldn't work. Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, clearly, no. You yes, you control you control my enslave, but I still have your script ranger. Nobody's to say that. That's the reason we have the dependency rules is to make the game do what it's supposed to, not to make it more complicated. Um, and then the third effect, uh, the third one, we've, we've done things that change what it deals with with our treetop village example change what it does to the things it deals with with our our confiscate and slave example and then the last one is make it make it disappear make it change the existence of the ability and this is the kind of classic example of dependencies where you control a blood moon and an herborg right okay so an herborg is creatures lose First okay, tap, make him lose Landwalk or something. <laughs> All right, so so Herborg Tomb of Yawgmoth, uh, okay. uh, which is uh, which was a very popular land when it was in standard. I don't know if people still play it outside of EDH. I don't see it in modern, so I don't know. Dark Death Stick, baby. Wait, oh. Um, so anyway, uh, it's a, it's a legendary land that says each land is a swamp in addition to its other types. So if I control a Blood Moon, now we have something interesting. Because you have something that's trying to make all land swamps in addition to its other types. It's something that's trying to make all non-basics mountains. And like and like when we discussed uh, last episode is, I don't know why I was going to say this because it doesn't matter. But <laughs> if you make it a mountain, it loses all other abilities and types. Right. And all, right. all yes. text on it. Which... Right. So, so the, the thing is that if you apply Blood Moon's effect before you apply Herborg's effect, then it makes the ability disappear. All right? It makes the effect disappear, right? Yep. And, I mean, you could argue that this is changing what it applies to. So you could say it's the same yeah, thing as that. Yeah, which is actually why I brought it yeah. up. Uh, and then I was like, whoop. And that's the way I tended to think of it was – I'm going from affecting a bunch of lands to no land because my ability's gone. Right, right. but I mean, right. it's not it's true, not a precise true, way. Of even if you don't control other lands, so it, it's true because of the fact that it takes like right. makes the ability disappear. Uh, and what I'm saying is true is that it does not matter whether Urborg or a Blood Moon came into play first. You will end up with an Urborg Tomb of Yagmoth that is a legendary land mountain and has no abilities other than tapping for red mana. Tap that red mana. And so you will not control a bunch of swaps unless you also happen to just control a bunch of basic swaps. Your herbord will not be making anything black and it does, or I'm sorry, making anything swaps. And it does not matter which of these came into play first uh, because making the other ability disappear means that herborg's ability is dependent on Blood Moon's ability. So it waits for Blood Moon to apply. These, these are so hard to say verbally. It's what so is? hard to describe. 
hyperbole. Well, then, uh, I guess that's that's I, why I we're sticking with the with yeah. the classics, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we're not breaking new ground with. Clear. Did we want to bring up any more examples of that, or is that pretty much uh, what we want to? So let's start. Let's start combining them. No, I'm not. Not so, really. Let's like, humility. Let's do humility. Humility. Magus of the Moon. Urborg, Tomb of Yogmoth, and. Uh, my goodness, Atlantis. Yeah. No, let's no. talk about the uh, the situation that was tripping me up before the episode. The uh, yeah. Okay. So this this was a, a a fun one that. So I have a Gideon. Jess has an Olivia Voldaren. Uh, because that's what all the cool kids have these days. I animate my Gideon. Damn right it is. Yeah. And I swing. And Jess goes, you know what? I, I want to power up my Olivia. So he, he he spins the one in a red and pings my Gideon. Okay. And so Olivia's, that ability says Olivia uh, deals, Olivia Voldaren deals one damage to another target creature, which Gideon is right now. That creature becomes a vampire in addition to its other types. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Olivia Voldaren. So Olivia gets her plus one, plus one counter. My Gideon is now a soldier vampire. I, I don't think it matters which Gideon. They both become soldiers. I think so, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just say Gideon. We won't okay. say which one. <laughs> we'll leave that as an exercise for the interested listener. Um, so my turn ends. Gideon stops being a creature and reverts back to just his lowly planeswalker self. And so we should I probably mention it. here that he's not planeswalker Gideon vampire, right? <laughs> Pretty awesome. Right. Once well, he stops uh, being a creature, he can't exactly. have creature types. Right. Right. So only the only in fanfic. The ability still exists, but it can't do anything, so it's not. Yeah. Right. If it if it changes, if an ability changes the subtype of a per of a card and it's not the type that would have that subtype you know like in this particular case it's not a it's i'm changing the subtype the creature subtype but it's not a creature so the ability just kind of whiffs okay and then i pass my turn jess you know swings with his with his whatever olivia right and then next turn i reanimate my gideon is it a vampire now well with experience on my side i can say no <laughs> okay what were you going to answer before so this one looks like a dependency just like the xenograft and treetop village right because you look at it and you say oh well i'm animating it it's a creature uh now the olivia's ability to turn it into a, a vampire depends on it being a creature so uh it's now going to be a vampire again it's a it's a soldier vampire you know uh, and it turns out that that is not the case because as just listed the the things that the when you go through the list of things that uh, make a dependency a dependency we're not actually changing what Olivia's effect that that you're a vampire we're not changing what that that ability affects it's still affecting the Gideon it's just when he was a planeswalker it just got suppressed so we're looking at we just look at straight timestamps and in that particular case the animation effect of the gideon which set his creature type set made him a creature and set his type to soldier wins out over the effect of you're a vampire and so along those lines what if i have gideon out and i uh I have Xenograft out naming Starfish and I activate Gideon. Okay. So that's, that is, now that actually is a dependency. And that kind of makes your noodle. And you're like, well, wait a second. Why is my, why do I have a, a soldier starfish when I didn't have a soldier vampire? Well, that's because soldier starfish are cooler than soldier vampires. <laughs> uh, human soldier starfish. No, human soldier starfish are the bee's knees. 
Um, no. So in this particular case, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as the treetop village. The xenograft is saying, I want all creatures to be starfish in addition to their other types. I see two creatures. And then Gideon pops up and his uh, xenograft is like, whoa, I see three creatures now. So there's a dependency. Xenograft has to wait for Gideon to become a creature. In the Olivia Voldaren case, okay, Olivia Voldaren's ability going, that thing right there, that is a vampire. And that doesn't change. It is not changing the quantity of things that are affected. It's always just pointing at that Gideon and saying, You're a I want you to be a vampire. And it's the game rules. It's the, it's the creature types that actually just suppress that ability and say, You're not actually doing anything right now. You're not a vampire. You're just a plain planeswalker. And then when Gideon uses his animate ability that sets its type, I mean, it's basically the same type of rules that we've got before. You know, if I if I have an ability that says you are a human creature soldier or a creature human soldier, then that's going to overwrite any of their uh, uh, type setting abilities. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, it, it, it took me a minute to get my head around it. But the the Olivia ability is still applying. Right. It's still applying. It's just not doing anything. I think that's that's that was the key point for me. Right. And that's and that's kind of weird because, because you want to say, oh, no, no, it's it's now it can apply. Yeah. But it, yeah, that's that's the that's the tricky thing. But it, it was always there. It was always applying. It's just anyone have any other examples of dependencies they want to talk about? We have one last little dependency topic. But before we move on. I'll take uh, I have no more examples that don't hit yeah. the last dependency okay, topic. So the final topic yeah. we want to discuss was something I don't think I even knew existed two weeks ago. But Jess is just so in love with dependencies. Jess is all he, about. He a... Okay, so this last thing, this last thing I want to bring up, you're probably never going <laughs> to see. And if you do see it, you probably won't recognize exactly. it. I did not. Uh, so, so this is th- like so far out there. You shouldn't even worry about it. If you do manage to find one, send me an email. There's a very good chance that it's not actually <laughs> one. This is hard, hard to find. And this is dependency loops. There are not very many dependency loops. Do encounter one, you get slow play, right? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. No, um, like, so the best example I think I can use to explain dependency loops. The, uh, so what happens when it, with a dependency loop is when two different effects are dependent on each other. So they, like, one of them changes what the other one applies to, but the, the other one also changes what the first one applies to. They're dependent on each other. You ignore the dependency rules and use timestamps, which is counterintuitive because that's what just <laughs> told you not to do. Yeah. Uh, so, so here's an use, example. So you use timestamps unless it's a dependency, unless it's a dependent dependency, and then you yes. go back to using timestamps. <laughs> All right. So here's here's an example. Uh, Bludgeon Brawl. I enjoy Bludgeon Brawl because it leads to a really interesting situation where you're going to have Nicobolus equipped to Nicobolus, <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about right now. So Bludgeon Brawl says each non-creature, non-equipment artifact is an equipment with equip X and equipped creature gets plus X plus zero, where X is that artifact's converted metacost. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So if I control two Bludgeon Brawls and an artifact, say an Iker Wellspring, which is a two-mana artifact that says when it enters the battlefield uh, or goes into graveyard from play, uh, from the battlefield, draw a card. Uh, so it doesn't do anything. It's not a creature. And I have two bludgeon balls. Now, one of them would make this non-creature, non-equipment artifact into an equipment. And the other one would do the same thing. Now, here's the problem. Once it's an equipment, the other one won't apply. 
which means that each of them are changing what the other one would apply to. And they're both going, oh, no, wait, you can go first. Oh, no, 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 you could go first. And they're dependent on each other because if you apply either one, it makes the other one unable to apply. Uh, so in this case, you have a dependency loop where if you tried to use the dependency rules, you'd just be sitting there with a drawn game because nothing could happen. Uh, and instead, we just apply timestamps. Whichever, whichever Bludgeon Brawl came into play first is the one that you apply. I mean, you want to talk about intuitive on this one. Like, I, I right. never, you would even... never go... This is why I say you probably won't even notice if you run into a dependency loop. Because with you play two Bludgeon Brawls, nobody's going to go, oh, wait, maybe that doesn't make it an equipment. Uh, ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I don't... Yeah, I can't even... It would never happen. I can't take credit for finding that example either. That's uh, somebody else, uh, Josh Sansfield, which is, who is a, a judge out here, actually in Southern California, uh, came up with that example. And I can't find another one off the top of my head uh, of a dependency loop, but I'm sure they exist. So that's pretty wild. That's And that's as advanced as you can possibly get with layers. Pretty much, yeah. You don't go any deeper down this rabbit hole. Uh, I mean, we could do some fun stuff with Mirror Weave and, and some treetop villages. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway, so. Hey, you know, isn't our show dependent on listener emails? <laughs> it is. Awesome. So let's do them before the show. What? All right, that broke down. Hey, what? let's read some emails. Yeah. Let's read some emails. First one comes from Zach Wilson. He says, love the podcast. Keep it up. Wait, wait, wait. Mail. Mailbag. Didn't we agree time? Is, I think we agreed on time. I don't know, man. Is it put it in the show notes? No. I think yes. you just pulled the point to determine the outcome of the segment. Whoa. I, whoa. Whoa. Improperly determining, improperly <laughs> determining a segue. <laughs> uh, yeah, he loves the podcast. He says he has a question that comes up with his nine humans deck. Um, say my opponent plays champions of the champion of the parish on turn one, then turn two plays burning tree emissary into another burning tree emissary into a lightning mauler. So champion of the parish, uh, everything else here doesn't matter except it's a human. But Champion of the Parish reads, uh, whenever another human enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Champion of the Parish. So he says he then declares Soul Bond and finally uh, says that he's going to put three counters on the Champion. With a new trigger policy, is it a missed trigger for the Champion counters? I would direct you to our uh, to episode, which episode was it? 56, I think, I... was Lose or Lose It. This is an excellent example of out-of-order yeah. sequence. Uh, whereas he's doing these things in a technically incorrect order, uh, in that he's he's not really resolving everything in the correct order, but he is acknowledging they all exist. He's going ahead and doing it. This is allowed because of the out-of-order sequencing rules that, that he's coming to a, a clear game state. He knows what's going to happen at the end of that sequence. His opponent knows what's going to happen at the end of that sequence. And if his opponent has anything to interrupt it and respond with, he should say, wait, hold on. At this point in the sequence, I want to interrupt you and respond. Right, yeah. Basically, the way this is written, it sounds like out-of-order sequencing, you know? It, it's tough to tell without yeah. actually being there. But the way it's written, it sounds like he just was like, burning tree, burning tree, lightning mauler, you know, sold on these two, put the counters on. Yeah. Right, yeah. If he's tanking on these things, then I'm probably not going to let him do it. But I mean, this is probably mm -hmm. turn two in a human stack. He, you know, if he's going, uh, it, in fact, it says it's turn two in the email. So yeah, if he goes turn two, I'll play, um, hmm, let me think about it, Burning Tree Emissary. And then he tanks for a minute and he goes, I guess I'll play yeah. another Burning Tree Emissary. And then he tanks again. Like, he's probably not doing it. But if right. he was doing it, they'd be taking a significant amount of time there. Then we could end up with a situation where this isn't out of order sequencing because he's not really doing them successively. Uh, but it's probably just out of order sequencing. All right. Our next question comes from Jackson Wayne. He says, uh, alrighty, a quick one from a recent game of VDH. I attack with a Kitchen Finks, which uh, not much matters except that it has Persist. So when it dies, it is a... Uh 
put when it's yeah when it dies if it had no minus one minus one counters on it return to the play under its owner's control with minus one minus one minus one minus one counter on it uh it's blocked then the opponent ovenizes the kitchen finks which i believe is one of yes. our good old yep target creature loses all abilities and becomes a zero one until end of turn awesome <laughs> So it's something we could have been using in place of humility this whole time. Yeah. Other than that, is it, it's a picture yeah, of sheep, yeah. right? So, I, so, yeah. This is an interesting is, Throwback to Vino yeah, Mancer. exactly. It references yeah. back to Vino Mancer, which I feel like is referencing Warcraft. It is indeed referencing <laughs> Warcraft. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the Kitchen Finks is blocked. It's overnized, and then the Kitchen Finks dies. Does it come back? Yeah, absolutely right. not. It's a sheep. Sheep don't have undying. Or, or, uh, undying. Well, I mean, I see uh, where he's coming from because technically persist. when it hits the graveyard, it's yep. a kitchen fake. But when it left the battlefield, it was a sheep. Uh, so right. th- this is two very important distinctions here. This is, this is uh, you know, because when it hits the graveyard, it is in fact the kitchen thinks, but the, the ability cares about what it was when it left the battlefield. Uh, and when it left the battlefield, it was a sheep, so it doesn't trigger. But if you were to say open eyes a guile, which makes you shuffle when it goes to the graveyard from anywhere, anywhere. and it goes to the graveyard, well, it's a guile when it goes to the graveyard, so you'll still shuffle. But, but th- this ability didn't exist when it left the battlefield, so it's not going to trigger. For right. people keeping score out there, since this is the third time this episode we've mentioned a creature type where there's only one of them rust spore ram is the only sheep creature <laughs> yeah really? the only i know i think ovenomancer makes sheeps right but yes there's only one sure, card okay. printed with sheep as a creature type well isn't there isn't there a creature to there's a few creature types that only exist because tokens yeah. or creatures make they make Sap- tokens like sand power uh yeah sapperling might be one um assembly worker <laughs> Right, there's only one uh, one assembly worker creature type. There's a Mishra's factory becomes an assembly worker, but mm-hmm. there's only one creature with an assembly worker type. Anywho, anywho, yeah, there's a bunch did of we, those. Didn't we get? Didn't did we get a loop question. question this time? We did. Oh, we got that. No, last this is time a different though, right? loop question. This is about an actual loop. Like oh. a real loop as opposed to infinity yeah, yeah. scenarios, infinity, in, infinity gauntlet. So, yeah, and I want to talk loop. about this one um, and I actually see the guy who's responded and I haven't even read that yet. But he says, hi, Judgecast, I have a question about a loop. Amon has a Black Sun Zenith as his only card in hand and no cards in his library. Now, the important thing about Black Sun Zenith is every time you cast it, it's going to shuffle back into your library. Uh, Narud also has no cards in his library and controls Necropotence. 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 I've heard. Yes. I had a high school chemistry teacher that would say thermometer. Anyway. um, (laughs) Yeah. And the relevant part of Necropotence is you skip your draw step. Okay. So Eamon casts Black Sun Zenith and it becomes the only card in his library and passes a turn. Narud skips his draw step and passes his turn back. No player can make any progression because otherwise their libraries are empty. Beyond the cards I just said, their libraries are empty. So there's nothing anyone can do. Let's say the board is completely clean. He wants to know how is this situation resolved? The situation is resolved by one of you conceding or drawing the game. Yeah. Hey uh, guys, you, want to draw? Uh, you, you, in a tournament setting, this does like... Uh, Congratulations, you both have an unwinnable yeah. game state. If I'm a smart opponent here, uh, if, if the score is even, is then we've either none of us have won any games or each of us have won one game this match. As soon as this happens, uh, I'm going to offer a draw. Right. And if, because I'm clearly neither of us can win. But if I'm a game up, I'm not going to offer a draw. I'm just going to keep playing through this sequence in a timely pattern. Fashion. I'm just going to keep casting Black Sun Zenith 
until we run out of time. And this is not stalling because I'm taking game actions and I'm right. taking them at a reasonable pace. And and this isn't really a fr- what's what's called a fragmented loop either. I mean, it, it, it kind of feels like one, but the, the rules for handling a fragmented loop are like within a turn, I do something and then you do something that kind of negates it. And then I do the same thing and then you do the thing that negates it. And we just kind of sit there, you know, just going in circles within the same turn. Well, the, the game rules handle that and says, well, the active player has to stop. Right stop it but in this particular case it's it's not fragmented as in you're taking an action i'm taking action within the same turn it's it's i'm taking my turn you're taking your turn we're ending up in the exact same spot so yes i I would very much it's like hey why don't you guys draw and play another game but that being said if i'm the judge there and the player casting blacks looks up at me and goes i don't want to draw because i have a game up I can't fault him. He's not slow. He's not slow playing. He's not stalling. If he just makes game actions in a timely fashion, his opponent can't beat him. So it's it's one of those situations where it kind of as a judge throws you for a loop, because yeah. uh, you don't necessarily like it. But it's the way it works. Um, so this is one of those things where if, it's just, if this happens at your kitchen table, nobody's winning. Uh, you might yeah. as well pack it in. Just like you're done. good job, guys. Uh, uh, but uh, that's. You're most likely ending up with a draw here, no matter how you look at it. The only winning move is <laughs> not to play. Is that a War Games yeah. reference? That is a War Games reference. Nice! I'm glad I got that. It's such an old movie. <laughs> Shut up. It is, though. It's pretty old. <laughs> Shut no, I remember, up. Shut I remember up. watching replays of that movie when I was a kid. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Sure. Anyway, I think we I think we answered. He said it actually did come up in a cube and a game a cube game, but that's that's going to be unsanctioned, and you guys just got to figure it out. I totally totally believe it came up. In fact, it it could come up in modern uh, because not Necroptons, but uh, Kalfner's plans makes yeah. you skip your draw step. So it's possible that this could come up in modern, although it's probably never going to happen in a sanctioned event. Okay. Well, if you want to send us an email, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can follow us, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Uh, we also have our website. I have some things I wanted to talk about with the website. Um, we now have the domain of judgecast.com. Turns out so pesky lawyers yeah. didn't have it after Turns out former host Jose Boveda had it the whole time. Also, turns out he must not listen. He must not. So we have judgecast.com, uh, and it is all set up to go, and mtgjudgecast.com now just redirects to it. So if you had a, a RSS feed or anything from MTG Judgecast, you probably need to change it to the Judgecast one. I'm not actually sure how that's going to work. Additionally, I have put up all of our archive on judgecast.com. Yeah. Uh-oh. I had Friday off of work. CJ's yeah. been a busy boy. He has. Look at that. Work. <laughs> but they're all up every episode with the proper dates even from the past. So everything is up on judgecast.com now. You don't have to go to MTG. And, and ad free. And ad free. Ooh. And ad now. free. For, well, I mean, if you go to get it from judgecast.com, yeah, it's ad free for now. <laughs> for now. Yeah. Um, for now. We haven't let you in on the grand plan, Brian. Uh, oh, oh, oh hey. Franchise Judgecast. Coup against us. Judgecast t-shirts. Judgecast uh, coffee mugs. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Judgecast the flamethrower. <laughs> I would so use a flamethrower. Probably not toilet paper, but a flamethrower. Absolutely. Uh, but hey, you laugh now. But when you're sitting there at your counter eating Judgecast. <laughs> Judgecastos. <laughs> Judgecastos. Uh, sure. You know, seriously, like, I, I, I think that would be a thing. I mean, it does cost money to to do things like upkeep the website. It doesn't cost a whole lot. 
but it does cost money. And, and I think that eventually it might be something that we do where just like judge cast sweatshirts yeah, or something. Honestly, people could buy it and just support. And that's like, I think that'd be great. People you're, you're opting into that, right? It's, it's a little different than ads where ads are forced yeah. on you. Although I shouldn't say uh, anything like that in case we do have to do ads one day. <laughs> well, also just for the record, if there was an ad at the beginning of this episode, it was because you're listening to it on gcast.com and that might, yeah, that might that happen was up in the future, but, was that, but that was, uh, there is not going to be an ad on this episode. If you get to it from, from judgecast.com. So if we made judges somehow wear a shirt with CJ's face on it, do you think they would pay to not have to wear that? Yeah, that might be the better route to go about. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I don't know what, what you do. Okay. I, also, I want to mention that to our, um, I think, approximately 14 Stitcher radio listeners. I have updated it, updated Stitcher to use the new judgecast.com website. That just means your your uh, podcasts are going to be a little bit higher quality because we put the higher quality ones on judgecast.com. And I have a new feed eventually coming to iTunes for people to subscribe to. So you don't have to subscribe to the MTG cast one through iTunes. You can do our judge cast one, which is once again, a little bit higher quality. Uh, that unfortunately was just rejected for whatever reasons, but I'll post on our Facebook group when, when we finally do get that up and running. So the, so the Stitcher thing, is that legit? Like the, the number of, uh, I think people through Stitcher, it might be 20, but it's, okay. it's literally well, no extra work for us to be on Stitcher and people wanted it a small amount of people apparently. So okay. there it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't exactly. even know what it is. Thank you I, Stitcher people for supporting I had no idea us. what it was either. Um, okay. Guys, have anything else you want to add? It's like a crazy mad sewer It's like, person. um. It's like I don't it's like you want podcasts but you don't want to actually go through the effort of downloading podcasts. It's it's a weird service. It streams podcasts? Yeah. That's awesome. But you can stream from MTG Cast like right now. Yeah, but does MTG Cast have an app? <laughs> MTG Cast does have an app. Well, then forget no, they I don't. said do it. They, really? they, they do. I've got it on my iPhone, man. Do they have an Android app? I don't know. I got, a real, no. I got a real phone, not one of your baby Android phones. A real phone? So yeah. with that, my name is Cedar Trader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillin. I keep it on an iOS format. I don't want anything that is Demir or can link with Demir. That's my only rules. No, no Demir. <laughs> not not Demir. Don't give me Demir. I'm surprised at you, CJ. I figured you'd be all over Demir because, you know, I was liking Demir before <laughs> it was cool. Because it's not cool. So you need to. No. <laughs>